There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Horticulture Week editor Matthew Appleby. And this is the Horticulture Week podcast. And today I'm with Sally Drury, who's the technical editor at Horticulture Week, and she's celebrating 40 years at the magazine. So, Sally, welcome. Thank you. Delighted to be here. (laughs) Excellent. Now, 40 years, that's a pretty good stint. Now, um, going back all that time, how did you get started at Hort Week? Um, well, really, it's it started. It's a lifelong journey in horticulture. I think I've explained to you before that as a toddler, I used to follow my father around the garden, um, planting bricks and stones in the hope that I could grow houses like he grew potatoes. When he was uh, killed in a road traffic accident, I took on the garden, and horticulture really became my life. So from there, I went to Reading University to study horticulture, and. Like all students, I was a bit short of money and I'd just had my cycle stolen. So uh, I went into the common room and there was a poster on the wall and it said, win £100. I thought, right, that's a new bicycle. It said you had to write 10,000 words on the impact of the common market, as it was back in those days, on horticulture in Great Britain. So 10,000 words was a lot, but I did it. And a one. Now, I'm not absolutely sure, but I think one of the judges was Jim Dean, who was then editor of GC and HTJ, which stood for the Gardener's Chronicle and Horticultural Trade Journal, and which is the forerunner of Hort Week. Jim phoned me out of the blue one day and invited me to London to have a chat. So we met at two o'clock one afternoon in Dean Street, and... About four hours later, the cleaner was coming in to clean the offices, and he offered me a job. Brilliant. Well, what a great appointment, and what, how far-sighted that was of Jim. Um, so, 
Looking back over those 40 years, what are the biggest changes you've seen? You've talked about the common market there, but what are the biggest changes you've seen? Well, one of my favourite topics, of course, is turf. And if you think back to, well, those of you who can, think back to the 60s, whenever you watched a football match on television, it was just mud. You couldn't tell which team was which by half-time, especially on a black-and-white television, because everything was just grey. But look at today's pitches. They're so green. And I think there's a lot of things that have contributed to this. The acceptance of deep time aeration. We've got the Vertidrain came in, I think, in the late 60s. Um, other deep time aerators are available. Then there's um, new constructions. We're now using sand and that sort of thing. And the phrase mowers that came in that were able to literally renovate a pitch in a couple of days. Um, we've seen the development of, of new cultivars with advances in breeding. And then we've got latest, the robotics, the commercial mowing and the robotic line marking. Um, and we've also seen the rise of synthetics, which, you know, they have their place. In arboriculture, safety. It's come a long way since, since 1982, with new harnesses and gadgets and gizmos and the chainsaw development. You know, they're no longer as heavy as they were. And now we've got battery ones and wood chippers. I've got to mention wood chippers. You know, so often, back in the early 80s and certainly in the 70s, things that uh, were, were chopped down would be burnt. Now we just put them through the wood chipper and use them as mulch. And then there's the diagnostics. We can actually see inside a tree to see what's going on. For growers, I think I have to mention the rise of polytunnels. Um, they, they've become commonplace everywhere. And now that they've got polymers in them so that uh, the light spectra can be altered. And sand capillary beds, that was in my time, back in the 80s. Margaret Scott at Efford, yes, Efford Research Station, um, designed the capillary bed, which most growers of, of nursery stock are now using. We've seen sophisticated monitoring as well, especially in glasshouses. And things like biological control and LEDs are totally making horticulture different with vertical farming. I think in the landscape, I have to mention landscape too, residentially, mm, decking. You know, we used to be all terraces and patios and now it's all decking. Commercially... More easy maintenance for parks and things, a loss of bedding, that's a bit sad, but more, ma more naturalistic planting. And the use of bigger trees with the invention of the Newman trailer. And then we also had tree spades coming over from America that could just dig up a tree from the nursery and plant it into the landscape. And uh, again with local authority playgrounds, we've seen such a change from just the plain old swings and slides. We've seen fitness come into the playground and more exciting we've seen adventure playgrounds where, where children can really develop properly. That's some amazing positive developments over the years Sally. So what have been your influences and what are, what are your horticultural beliefs would you say? I believe that horticulture solves just about all problems because it involves plants you get timber, so there's construction. Now, obviously, the landscape, plants provide colour, shade. They can provide noise, too, when the wind blows. And they can do water management. They're also good for conservation, for the environment and ecology. 
and we produce plants for food. Obviously, we do the nice food. Agriculture does the staple food, wheat and uh, meat. We do the nice food, the radishes, the lettuces, the tomatoes. And then there's all the plants we grow for gardeners to grow on. And not forgetting, plants and botany play an important role in the pharmaceutical industry and natural health remedies. Then there's horticultural therapy. You know, they've brought that into prisons and things to calm people down. Um, there's, there's, there's lots of things you can do with horticultural therapy. And of course, finally, the suppliers of turf bring in turf for recreation and exercise fitness. Oh, but above all, I'd say it, uh, it provides employment and it contributes a huge amount to the economy. Brilliant. That's pretty pretty serious influence um, that uh, horticulture's had on the whole of the life and economy there. But looking at the lighter side, Sally, you're known for your sense of humour. So have you got any funny stories from your four decades in the industry? Oh, Matt, where do I start? Um, there was the ATV that caught fire. There was, there was another <laughs> one that landed in a stream. Or what about the dumper truck that took a shortcut across a bog garden. Um, oh, there was also a young man who, who wouldn't give us back a ride on mower until his, his mother phoned him to say that his dinner was getting cold. Um, but I think probably one of my favourite times was when we were doing a, a machinery test on an estate. We looked at chainsaws in the morning and wood chippers in the afternoon. The idea being that the chainsaws would cut up the timber ready to go through the wood chippers. That made logical sense. We'd agreed in advance that we'd fell one of the trees on the driveway because they were a little too crowded and one or two did need to come out. So on the day of the test, I meet the head arborist at the estate and uh, he says, right, this is the tree we're going to take out. So photographer sets up his tripod and everything to catch the tree falling hopefully click 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 you know and the the arborist he makes his cuts starts to fell the tree tree comes down one two three crash and then the estate door opens the boss jumps out and says not that tree you idiots the other one <laughs> crikey well, a lot of people don't know that you have um, been a stand-up comedian in the past, Sally, and I think, um, you know, I think that could be a future career for you after, after any retirement. But uh, where do you think horticulture is going? What, what, what are you, if you were a sort of horizon scanning, what do you think is going to happen in the future? Mm. In the immediate future, I see a big rise in gardening again, um, growing your own, obviously. So I think there'll be a big demand for young vegetable plants, fruit bushes, um, seeds obviously, and everything that's required to grow them. We might see it a rising demand for pick your own again, uh, as people find the cost of living crisis difficult. They might not be able to take a holiday, but perhaps a Saturday or a Sunday, a pick your own out in the country. That might be an idea. Landscape-wise, I've, I've I've seen some crazy ideas. Obviously, we've got, you know, green walls and green roofs and things these days, but one of the interesting things, uh, concepts that I've, I've seen coming from Europe is the idea of 
wilding the city to the state where you actually have um, grass growing down where the high street would have been and deer wandering around and literally have the Amazon forest growing up the side of blocks of flats. I do worry about the fire implication of that, I have to say, but that's, that's one idea I've seen. Um, I think, sadly, we probably see further demise of specialist nurseries. This is, this is very, very sad, really. Um, things like alpine growers. Um, people aren't necessarily collecting plants like they would have done 40 years ago. 40 years ago, 50 years ago, when I was, when I was 10, for instance, I had a collection of pelargoniums then, um, and also cacti and things that children tend to collect. So I am, I am a bit worried about the specialist nurseries um, falling, falling away a bit. I think we'll see a lot more robotics, and this will be in all areas, um, not just fruit picking, we're already seeing a lot doing, you know, transplanting, obviously, and uh, packaging, grading. And we'll probably see more um, monitoring using drones, even in greenhouses, glasshouses, yeah. And obviously, vertical farming will continue to expand. Um, that's going to be a big thing with a lot of the edible crops, but I, I, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't, shouldn't go into ornamentals, certainly bedding plants and things like that. The use of data and AI, we're going to see an awful lot more of that. Um, although, like Cambridge University, I am a bit concerned about the over-reliance. Um, the over-reliance on technology, really. Uh, if, if the predictions come true of things like cyber wars in the future, we must make sure that we haven't forgotten how to do horticulture in the old way ourselves. Wow, okay, crikey. Well, you certainly well thought through a lot of those ideas, Ali, but looking at you personally, have you got any personal ambitions? I, I, I wanted to ask you, right, in your career, did you ever think about leaving and going on to something else, you know, running DEFRA or, you know, running, I don't know. What, did you, what ambitions have you got? Oh, I, n I never thought of doing anything else. I mean, this has been a blast. It really has. In, in my particular job, I get to cover all aspects. This was a problem for me at university. You know, they want you to specialise in one thing, either landscape or orchards or tree surgery. And I wanted to do it all. How was I going to get it all? Well, I've got it all. You know, I go out there, I research, I talk with, with people who are testing machinery. I have a go on some of the machinery myself. Yeah, it's, it's the best of worlds. I couldn't ever have thought of doing anything else. Future-wise, um, might do another book in the future. Yeah. yeah. What about? Now you've got me. I don't really want to tell you. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> no, no. Authors usually don't in case someone nicks their idea. No, no. Fair enough. Now, you mentioned Jim Dean recruiting you, but um, who was your best ever editor? Best? Oh, oh, Matt. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dropping any hints here. No, no. Yes, you must rate highly, high, highly amongst them. But how many editors have I seen? Jim Dean, Spence Gunn, Julia Ball, um, Stovin, Vicky, 
Vicky Browning, Pete Weston, um, Clark, Kate, yourself. I mean, is that nine? Yeah, quite a few. Cranky. Yeah, I had to break them all in. <laughs> and, and some amazing writers during your time at Hall Week as well. Who, who have you sort of rated as a writer while you've been while you've been at Hall Week in the last forty years? We've had some people who've gone on to like become quite well known. Right now, I'm really rating Rachel. I think she's excellent. Ah, brilliant. But yes, you're right. We have had a lot in the past, and um, Spence Gunn comes to mind as well. Yes. Yeah, superb. Now, Sally, in these um, these interviews, we ask people what their favourite plant is, what plant they take to a desert island, and uh, I guess you've got quite a lot you'd like to choose from. But is there anything you want to sort of uh, talk about? Strawberries. Ah. I love strawberries from uh, from the eating point of view. Um, from the growing point of view, oh, that's difficult. I'd, I'd maybe maybe take something floral that you could eat, perhaps, um, or dandelions. Actually, yeah, dandelions. I mean, you can eat the whole of the dandelion. Yeah, that's 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 good, and they're great if you get if 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 you get stung by nettles. Um, you can use dandelion leaves in the same way as you'd use a dock leaf to to cool the to cool the sting. Um, also good for wasp stings and other insect bites. So yeah, dandelions, I think. Oh, that's brilliantly quirky, Sally. And I wouldn't have expected anything else from you. So well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else you want to add, Sally, in this in this 40-year anniversary interview? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, uh, you did mention Pete. Oh, my God, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, uh, I don't say I exactly sit on the fence, but I, I am greatly concerned about the Pete, Pete issue. Um, you know, m- my brother collects a lot of plants that, that do require Pete, and he has been trying various um, peat-free media, and yeah, he's lost most of his pelagonium collection because of the compost. You know, it's it's a worry. Um, people have got to do more research. There needs to be more options. No, that's fair enough, and that's that's something that has changed a lot in your time. That uh, you know, forty years ago, everybody used it, and. Uh, come 2024 retail level um it's just not going to be there anymore and and for quite a few growers too so big changes but you've been there th- throughout sally there's no doubt about that you can follow following it all and influencing it all in many ways can i just add it has taken an awful long time for this for this peat band to arise it's it's probably early 90s i started writing about um banning peat and the other thing that does worry me is that growers in other countries they won't be working to the same playing field they may have a commercial advantage no no indeed and i guess that's what we've been doing in hot week for all these years all your time there anyway looking to uh, help help growers and everyone in horticulture commercially you know to plan their business and to tell them what's what's going on and you've certainly been at the forefront of that sally there's something that i did want to mention but I don't think the question quite came up. Yeah, go ahead, Sally. I've always lived by the philosophy that if someone somewhere finds their job easier, increases productivity or profitability, or if they're inspired to try something new, 
following on from something written in Horticulture Week, then for me, that's job done. And um, hopefully for quite a few more years to come. So thank you very much to Horticulture Week technical editor Sally Drury, celebrating 40 years at Horticulture Week. So make sure you never miss a Hort Week podcast. Subscribe to or follow Hort Week podcasts via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. So once again, thanks to Sally. I'm Matthew Appleby, Hort Week editor. And see you again soon. Bye. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.